What's up, everybody? This is FTW with ImodCon. I'm ImodCon of Tom's Guide, and joining me today on this Who Needs Overwatch 2 edition is reporter Joseph Volamel Franco. Hello. Last week, Joe published a piece for GG Recon in what we can expect from Overwatch League going into 2021. But before we get to that, we need to discuss Overwatch 2 being delayed to 2022. So, Joseph, a lot of the Overwatch League was being pinned on Overwatch 2 coming out this year and kind of the the league reorganizing around that game with it being delayed out of 2021. Do you think this is a significant setback for the scene? I wouldn't say it's a significant setback. It's definitely a disappointing uh, moment in our, our little history. I think that I wouldn't say we were banking, but I think a lot of people had high hopes that we were going to get, you know, this new title that may breathe some fresh life into a game that, you know, at one point was a very, you know, successful pop culture hit. And kind of needs that new shot in the arm. There are some ways that Blizzard and, and Activision can kind of float that 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 gap between now and, and 2022, which is, you know, the kind of, again, assumed release date for the uh, the long awaited sequel. But it's disappointing. I wouldn't say that that were, you know, our legs got taken out from under us. I think it was optimistic to say that it was going to come out at the end of the year. Obviously, this has been in development for a number of years now and has been pointed to as one of the you know, largest reasons as to why the base Overwatch game has seen so little, you know, developer interaction, so little content, you know, why the heroes have been kind of stagnant uh, as of late. So it's disappointing, but I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say this, the ship has sunk yet. We're taking water for sure. I, I think, you know, we can't mince words like there's some water on the ship, but I, I don't think we're sunk just yet. You know, I think, uh, I think given the pandemic and the development difficulties and, you know, the league kind of switching to this remote model at the moment, pushing it out of 2021, even if it was partially developmental, could have also just been more strategic, right? I mean, why not try to relaunch in a year when the world is open again? It definitely has its own merit. I think that having people ready and and obviously the pandemic gives people time to to you know stay home play games but there is obviously you know a, sh- a shortage in terms of jobs you know the economy is definitely taking a hit so maybe there's not a ton of you know expendable money to be be able to toss around and then you have to look at a game like Cyberpunk who that just came out you know was a little rush so maybe Blizzard's taking their you know kind of tenured approach and and trying to publish it when it's ready not necessarily rush it I guess the big problem from the community side of things is that we it has really been radio silence there hasn't been much in the way of communication and obviously BlizzCon line which is coming up later this month that's when we're all crossing our fingers and hoping that you know maybe this is when we'll start to get some news maybe we'll get like a tentative release date maybe like a, a quarter to 2022 you know or earlier TBD, you know, type of type of announcement, maybe what to expect, what to be excited about, that that kind of feeling. That's what we're kind of looking for. There are definitely reasons why Blizzard Activision may have delayed it. It's always tough to kind of tell. We we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it's kind of we just have to throw our hands up in the air and go like, well, we'll we'll wait until we we hear from them because it's it really is just kind of guessing at this point because we really don't get much in the way of communication from them. I also wanted to ask you about how the Contender series was dropped in South America. I mean, what does, I mean, what can we make of that? Contenders is a very troubled system. Um, obviously, the Overwatch League was underpinned with this, this story of this proverbial and, and hypothetical character, Crusher 99, kind of coming up through the ranks through the Path to Pro system, as they were calling it, and, you know, coming from 
you know, rag your typical rags to riches story, you know, started from nothing and, and getting to the professional league and maybe dipping and coming back and having that kind of redemption arc. Contenders is that, you know, that that big stage for the amateur scene. And while it started promising, there hasn't been much in the way of incentives for franchises to invest into, you know, that talent pipeline. Now, at least in, you know, the way that the that the world is laid out currently with COVID kind of you know, definitely pinching the budgets of a lot of these franchises, it's a little bit more reasonable. And even in the past, it was definitely reasonable. There was really no strong case. There was no, I guess in their minds, there was no money to be made. A lot of just teams outside of the Overwatch League, you know, started to dabble. And even they were like, eh, it really doesn't, you know, it's not financially sustainable for us. So when you're coming from an academy point of view or from an Overwatch League franchise point of view, the value is always questionable. That said, I have my own personal opinions, which we'll say for for a later date. But um, Contenders is definitely a, a weird box to fix. It's it's, you know, always tragic to see another region basically get the light shut off on them. It is kind of a sign of the times. Hopefully Blizzard can kind of facilitate something to, you know, fill in the gap some sort of tournament that they can put in SA um, or in South America and the Latin America region and, and try to help them because there are some some talent there. There definitely is talent there. That's that that goes without saying, but it, it's just sad. It It's nobody's fault, really. It's kind of a sign, a sign of the times COVID with the declining health of Overwatch, with the delay of Overwatch 2 um, contenders in general across the board. It's not even just South America, just everybody needs like this. This whole program needs to kind of be it needs a it needs a Passover. It, it genuinely needs somebody to to lead the project that has a vision that has, you know, a plan for the future. Obviously, post COVID, it's definitely difficult. One of the big um, the big drawing points is is kind of being relooked at, you know, this this gauntlet series, this this the world championships of amateur overwatch is now kind of in hangs in the balance and it's it's difficult to see that you know really start to kick back off with covid kind of running rampant all across the world so it's the whole thing needs to kind of uh get retooled and and hopefully we can bring in these regions that that have kind of departed well you know i think now is a good time to jump into your piece that you published for gg recon and you know it first starts off on some really interesting moves you know i think what i believe it was either earlier this year or late last year uh had left, had essentially retired from Overwatch League, if I recall correctly. Um, and then you see the like, moves like Grant Moth SB leaving San Francisco Shock to join the Gladiators. I mean, is well, so I mean, what do you make of at least Moth's move? Was it a money issue? I mean, were the Gladiators just offering him something that he couldn't refuse? Did it look like the Shock was was trying to bring in new blood and were maybe looking to trade him off? I definitely was was kind of surprised. I think this definitely caught a lot of people off guard. I think, um, at, at least in my opinion, I was I was kind of surprised that the shock didn't see more departures. If I'm going to be completely honest, um, this is a team that for the past two years has has easily been, you know, the best Overwatch League team, um, and, and now are in in the argument. You know, I would argue for them uh, to be the best Overwatch team in, across the, the its competitive history. Um, bar none i think they've played in the most difficult you know era i think they have some of the best teamwork i think they have the best players i think they have the best coaches period you know it's it can go on for a while that argument can be had but 
with that said, and the attention that brings, I think, you know, players start to get really um, sought out after, let's say. Um, and if I had to guess, yeah, I think this was just like an offer that was a little too good to pass up for Moth. I think he, you know, it could be interested in a new challenge, you know, going to the Los Angeles Gladiators, trying to make the league a little bit more competitive and, and kind of proving it to himself that he still has it. It's not just, you know, the team around him that that he can lead a team just as he did, you know, coming into uh, to season one and kind of giving that that late shock buff that that they kind of needed and, and pushing them a little bit harder than what what they were showing, especially earlier on. So is it money? It, it look, you know, if I had to guess, that definitely has to play a part in it. But I think there are some other intangibles and, and, you know, seeing him go to, you know, go down south in California and try to take this team that historically has been kind of milk toasty to almost disappointing and, and trying to bring them up to being like that, that caliber of playoff team that we expect them to be. You know, one area that I'm really interested in is how Texas is going to fare in 2021. And you speak about this, that, you know, Texas might see a revival. It was um, pretty interesting to see Jacob Jake uh was it Lyon, come back into Overwatch League after retiring and his jersey being retired uh, itself, which I found peculiar considering he had only played for, what, like two seasons? Um, But he's back, um, will be the state for the Outlaws and Fuel in 2021. There are two very interesting cases. I think the community is very, or at least were very excited um, at the prospect of the Dallas Fuel finally having a, a team to kind of bring the the old envious, you know, storyline home to say, finally, this team that, you know, was was supposed to be so exciting and so good that never was this franchise that was built on that finally has a team that can live up to that, that, that kind of those, those shoes, right? Obviously, with some of their preseason uh, stirrings, not necessarily the case, but, you know, there's there's definitely promising signs. And this is a team that has played together for a long time, full of very, very talented players coming into an arguably weaker region in terms of North America. Obviously, what I'm referencing is them going to Asia and playing a couple games and in, in what is effectively just a show match or some some exhibitions for the preseason. Not looking so great, but obviously coming back to North America and playing at home, that's a whole different crowd, right? That's a whole different set of teams who are arguably a little bit weaker. So that is definitely something that Dallas fans can hold on to and say, look, it's the preseason. We might not have been practicing as of yet. So there's 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 still some merit to this team. I wouldn't necessarily sell all the stocks just yet, you know, diamond hands, as the kids are saying. So when it comes to Houston, they're a little bit more interesting. Obviously, Jay coming back, like you said, this is a, this is somebody who has been synonymous with this team. Like you said, had their jersey, you know, hung in, in the proverbial uh, arena as a retirement you know, present. But it, it really never kind of came together for this team. It was a team that was kind of built as this lovable player ecosystem that really never, at least in season one, you have to give them that. In season one, they at least had a few upsets here and there, were at least fairly competitive. But as the time has gone on, as the league has evolved in terms of talent, they've really fallen behind the eight ball. And this year, it seems to kind of be a marriage of both of those those strategies where they still have a lot of, you know, very lovable players like Jake, like, you know, a lot of these, you know, young players talents coming in juby obviously coming in kind of being sought out after by a lot of teams they have the intangibles they have a lot of new players that are a little bit you know not undiscovered but um i would say the community has you know wavering opinions because they're they're just so fresh in the face so this team has a lot of potential has a lot of promise and you contrast that to dallas who is like you know tenured veteran tested you know kind of what you're going to get 
it, it, it really is a, a revitalization when it comes to Overwatch in, in Texas. And I mean, if I'm if you're a betting person, you know, I think it's definitely safe to bet on one of these teams. Whichever way you go, I think is, you know, your bet to make. But, you know, when you have somebody like Dallas kind of signing that old element mystic roster who has success under their belt, then you look at Houston, who is finally kind of dug in the trenches, fixed hopefully what has ailed them for so long, signed a championship coach, Junk Buck, coming into co-lead with Harsho of the former Vancouver Titans fame in season two. There, there's a lot there's a lot of things to love when it comes to Overwatch in Texas. So it, it it's promising either way. And hopefully it's both ways. You know, if I had it my way, it would be both. Well, with that, thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and share. Your support will help our show grow. Full transcripts of the show can be found at ftwamod.com. To follow Joe and all the work that he's been up to, you can follow him at Volumel on Twitter. To follow me and my writing over at Tom's Guide, find me at Imad on Twitter. And Ron Lyons is our audio producer. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.